Okay, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags. Y'all know what time it is. It's time for the Football Misfits, episode 83. I am your host with the most. Just kidding. I go by the name of LV, a.k.a. Paper Fronto, a.k.a. My Rainy's Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. Stats Burst Fan? It depends on the day of the week. <laughs> Neither here nor there. We'll get to that later. Of course, it would not be the Football Misfits unless I was joined by the co-host, the man with the plan. You know he can. Talk about Mr. Misfit himself. He gets it done, y'all. And he goes by the name of Ronnie. Ronnie say, what's good for the one time? What's good for the one time? How are we doing, everyone? Stay strong. Be brave. And it would not, could not be the Football Misfits without the man with the data, the numbers, the Googles, the sources, stamps, all that, you know, you more true than Wikipedia, you feel me? Not for free though. I'm talking about the Spencyclopedia Britannica, Data Desk Spence, Spence was good for the one time. Peace and love, peace and love. That is a fact, by the way, Spencer charges a pretty penny for his data services. Oh, it, it ain't free, yo. <laughs> He's We're being a spy out here, fam. <laughs> we are not paying him in gum like Barcelona is doing the Ferran Torres. He gets paid strictly in Bitcoin. Neither here nor there. Ah, crypto. <laughs> crypto Spence. Anywho, uh, and Spence, I would have thought, would be in a much more cheery mood with that intro. Based on what happened today, uh, we will get to that, of course. But before oh, we do... Hey. Oh, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> right on cue. <laughs> Right on cue, love to hear it. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, Spence wins. You know, we don't. I mean, I don't. <laughs> let me just say that, Ronnie. Let me not throw you in the boat. But, I mean, I don't have a horse in the race, but you know. I just mean in life, for the most part, in the footy, in the footy life. But of course, we will get to that. Uh, before we do, though, uh, on a less funny note, some real serious happenings across the world that could not go unmentioned. And of course, did have some implications within our world, the world of footy. A conflict, a war, an invasion, if you will, by Russia into Ukraine. Um, and all of the fallout of that underwent this week, Ronnie. And um, I mean, a lot of things have gone on, off, on and off the pitch. Uh, I'm talking, you know, protests. We've seen signs. Uh, we've seen, unfortunately, casualties and this that and the third away from the game itself uh again back in the world of footy though we've seen sanctions you know you name it and they're like where do you want to start i do want to start off with uh i guess we can call it a disclaimer um football and politics never go together when it inherently always has gone together and i don't we'll stop going together um but this isn't even really about that. It's more about um, the human aspect of this. And, of course, the impacts on footy. Lewandowski said it best that um, we can't pretend that nothing is happening. I agree with Lewandowski without going too much into the detail and the politic of it. Yeah, Russia, hold up to Ukraine. They started knocking and Ukraine started bucking. Word to crime mob. Well, well said. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> the impacts that have on um, footy. I think the 
biggest headline was UEFA stripping Russia of the Champions League final and awarding it to Paris and the Stade de France. We've also seen the Ukrainian league suspended, so Shakhtar and Kiev, Dinamo Kiev aren't playing their matches. Um, Russia are due to play Poland in a World Cup qualifier, and the winner of that one will host either Sweden or the Czech Republic. If it's Russia, it's it was scheduled to be at Moscow, but today, not long after we started recording, FIFA announced that all of Russia's matches will be played at neutral venues behind closed doors. They won't even be called Russia. They're going by the RFU, the Russian football, which they have been for, like, beach soccer World Cup or whatever, to which Poland was like, this is unacceptable. Sweden said, this is some bullshit. And the Czech Republic said, fuck that. Go ahead, Ovi. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I have some other th- other goings on, aside from what you mentioned. And I did want to touch on a few things we mentioned. this With the Champions League final, I think we spoke, obviously, off the pod and had conversations, uh, you know, after we saw reports that it would be moved, depending on whether or not this conflict conflict began or the invasion uh, of by Russia into Ukraine began, which it ultimately did for four days in now. And um, we were assuming it might go back to Portugal, as it has in the last couple of years. Um, three straight years where the final had to be relocated. Yeah, and, and if it's not one thing, it's another. Paris would get it this time for the first time, I think you mentioned, since 2006. Yes, sir, when Barca beat Arsenal. Oof. So, you know, um, yeah, across the board, across the board, we're seeing uh, the ramifications of Russia's decision, uh, notably, you know, with UEFA. And I think especially at the beginning of you know the weekend it was it was kind of like we knew that there were so many things that were going to happen uh that would come to a headway involving russia like you mentioned the champions league final world cup qualifiers something would have to get addressed and it would be uefa first or fifa first and i think they would soon follow suit and we're you know we're seeing exactly that now gazprom uh, a notable sponsor of UEFA and clubs across the world, Schalke included, uh, you know, and a Russian, a Russian uh, organization or a Russian company, um, also receiving the backlash of not being able to, you know, clubs are taking the, the sponsor off of their kits. Schalke. UEFA, Schalke specifically. Manchester United were also sponsored by Aeroflot, the Russian airline. It's no more. Jeez, and then staying in the Premier League, uh, notably uh, Chelsea Football Club owner Roman Abramovich, a, bi- a Russian billionaire, um, who it seems would, may have been pressured either by the UK government or oncoming sanctions, although that was not reported. It was simply reported that he would be handing over stewardship of care uh, of Chelsea to its charitable foundation trustees, and this was on Saturday. Uh, handing over stewardship of course, as we know, does not mean that he's selling the club. He will still very much own it and can still very much fund it unless sanctions are in fact placed uh, upon um, Russia by the UK government in that way. So uh, I guess this to me looks kind of more like a chess move. Ain't nothing really changing, it seems like. Uh, He's taking a step back and a quote from him real quick. He basically said, um, I've always taken decisions with the club's best interest at heart and I remain committed to these values. 
That is why I am today giving trustee, uh, trustees of Chelsea's charitable foundation the stewardship and care of Chelsea. I believe that they are in the best position to look after interests of the club, players, staffs, and fans. Literally, in my opinion, means nothing. Um, but an interesting move and an interesting happening. Um, I mean, interesting, not necessarily in a good way, but similar to everything else that's been going on this weekend. With, with that in particular, with Abramovich, there's so much ambiguity. And that's the thing. I agree 100%. It doesn't necessarily re mean anything that he's handing over, quote-unquote, stewardship of the club. Uh, if he still owns it, you know, and still can fund it at this moment. Um, so what that necessarily does, as you said, you know, quite ambiguous. It may be a PR move is what it seems like, because I don't see what Very this true. change. You know, I'm not sure what this changes, if anything. Aside from, you know, those FIFA, FIFA and UEFA making a few changes with regards to finals and, and qualifier matches and national teams themselves coming up and, and speaking out was players across the continent um, speaking out. You mentioned Lewandowski. We've seen Ukrainian players, uh, Russian players advocating against war, and then notably um, players and teams that have nothing to do with Russia or Ukraine also speaking out as well. Before matches, which we saw in the UEFA Champions League knockout round um, this past week. Right. And we're going to get to those matches in a bit, but more so to FIFA said what they said about Russia. They can't use that name. They can't play in their country. They have to use a generic anthem. Their flag got to use the flag of the football union. And we mentioned that none of the three countries who are in their World Cup qualifying path are happy with the decision. They're basically boycotting World Cup qualifying matches. Yeah, and with that, I mean, despite all the things that FIFA have done, they didn't take that extra step and ban them from the World Cup. You know, should uh, they? And that's the question at hand. And I want to know: Is the fact that Russia went ahead with this invasion enough to say, "All right, you're done, fucked up, and you're out of here"? Um, according to FIFA, it said over the past week that they're continuing dialogue with the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, other and other sports organizations. And they said, should the situation not be improving rapidly, uh, that Russia could face exclusion um, from these competitions. So it hasn't happened yet. I think it absolutely could. Whether or not it should, I think FIFA could have made a decision based on the events that have already happened, but they didn't. And I don't want to just go for the quick cop and say money is the reason why, but it is. A, it seems to be a very sticky situation. And is it too late for Russia to take a step back, which I'm not sure they will do. We're four days in now. Um, if you're asking me whether or not to ban the Russians from competing in events, I know this is this pales in comparison. This does not have to do with anything that we're talking about now. But when we were talking Super League, we mentioned punishments for the teams that wanted to join the Super League. Should they be banned from the Champions League? And the common idea was why would you ban the players when they weren't involved in joining the Super League? It was all the owners and stuff like that. And I'm seeing a lot of similar reaction to this. Why would you ban the Russian football team and stuff like that and their players? They're not the ones who are at war. It's all Vladimir Putin and stuff like that. Okay, sure. But, and I mentioned this before we started recording, 
were any of the Yugoslavian players advocating for war and stuff like that when in the 90s the Yugoslav wars broke out and they were banned from competing at Euro 92? Right. That's a great point. And we could also and go with a- – hold on. We could also go with South Africa and apartheid. Yeah, were there players in the South African government to institute all that stuff? Not really, but they yeah. had to take the brunt of it. And, and even though it might not be fair to the players who are playing and stuff like that, you have to set an example. And that is what specifically Poland, Czech Republic, and Sweden are asking for. Sorry to cut you right. off. No, and, and just to go off what you said there on, on both sides, we've seen, I think, the first national team player to speak out, Fyodor Smolov, uh, saying no to war, you know, a Russian player, um, plays for Dynamo Moscow in Russia, you know, and... and, and is speaking out against the war. So, you know, to the point that the players don't have necessarily, might not have anything, anything to do with it. Uh, it's all on an individual basis. We don't know what they believe in. But you are right in that mentioning Yugoslavia and, and, you know, FIFA, on top of the fact that precedent is there, with Russia making this move, not only have, you know, they're costing people, aside from the fact that lives will be lost and, you know, homes abandoned and things of that nature, on an organizational level for FIFA, this absolutely fucks everything up schedule-wise, you know, um, competition-wise. When you mention Poland and uh, you know other national teams saying they will not play with Russia no matter what the name of the team is, you know, um, at that point it's like, okay, what can you really do if you keep them in there? It seems that there will be no solution. It, I, it seems like that almost can't be the solution at this point not saying it will be it you know but it, it but i think that ultimately if they were to go that route that is easier to fix rather than keeping russia in from a fifa perspective and in their best interest which i'm sure no doubt that they're thinking at you know what's best for them and their organization for them to keep russia in and have teams refusing to play them and also potentially face some sort of conflicts should somehow some way ukraine and russia meet in any sort of you know national team setting or you know however it may go down moving russia out of the competition and solving for that problem seems to be a much easier and much straightforward and at this point maybe a much more fair fix um but i guess it all depends on how you look at it and fifa doesn't really have the best history in terms of expelling countries who involved in fuck shit. I did mention Yugoslavia and South Africa, but run it back to 1974. Ironically enough, the Soviet Union didn't want to play in Chile because of the dictatorship by Pinochet. They put the first leg in Moscow. The second leg was supposed to be in Santiago. The Soviet Union never even pulled up. And Chile were awarded the 2 nothing win. I can see a similar situation happen in that Poland does not go to Moscow. Russia gets that win. Czech Republic or Sweden don't go to Moscow. And what, they go to the World Cup? I don't right. know, man. Yeah. It's not going to look pretty if if they just leave that situation like that. So much, I guess, to come in the next couple of days and weeks. The English FA also said they wouldn't play Russia at all. They wouldn't play them on any level, any gender, or parasport. Well, I'm paraphrasing. And that includes at the club level. Say Spartak Moscow beats RB Leipzig and West Ham beats Sevilla. And they're drawn together in the quarterfinal. 
Where are we? Yeah. It continues to get more complicated from there. Obviously, we don't have all the answers. We're just a podcast. But, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like it's getting absolutely much more complicated. FIFA and UEFA, based on the things that they've already done, aside from national teams and national football organizations making statements on based on what they're going to do, uh, UEFA and FIFA both have a lot on their table on their plates, and what they do, I think, you know, will continue to either, you know, it, it, their, their image. I won't say it's on the line because they both have troubled images, as you mentioned in the past, not the brightest of marks and the brightest of reputations. But this, in the future, I think, will have a lot of implications on how they're viewed and how they continue to be viewed. Facts. So. Like Robert Lewandowski said, we can't pretend like none of this is happening. So we're not going to. We have it, and we're not going to. That's a fact. That is if a fact. anything else happens that directly impacts footy, we're going to talk about it. We're on it. Yes, we are. And that, that being said, prayers and peace and love to every you know folks involved and hoping and wishing for safety above all. We did see a lot of displays of support for Ukraine, and it all began with the Europa League. Um, before we get to the Europa League, um, the Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday, let's talk about it. You said it. Champions League this week was a bit drab. And uh, is that the second week running that we've got not the best showcases from the Champions League? There were a couple matches. I mean, Tuesday's Champions League matches off the rip, I think, were, were headlined by matches that I thought were pretty easily callable. Um, we had Chelsea versus Lille, Lille, who have been struggling, you know, domestically, I think, as up to this weekend or before this weekend, sitting as low as 11th place. Chelsea uh, in decent form, obviously, just off of winning the Club World Cup and not favorites for the Premier League title. However, uh, picking up form again, and they dispatched the Lille quite easily. Um, I think to your dismay, Christian Pulisic scored. That's not the part I think you hate, but celebrated with the gritty dance. Can I say something? Absolutely. Um, um, all right, so I, I, I said that my problem wasn't Christian Pulisic, it was the gritty. This week, my problem is Christian Pulisic because I've seen gritties. That gritty against Lil was disgusting. <laughs> you say his shit was not sturdy. <laughs> not sturdy at all. If you want an, if you want a tutorial on how to gritty in the Champions League, look at what Moise Ken did last year against Malmo. Best gritty by far. That. Ah. It, it was a Hershey, Pennsylvania gritty. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't, you know, it was, that's what it was. <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania gritty. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. Chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, Chelsea would dispatch, as I said, a little 2-0 easy win. That was the, the only win of the week. Every other game ended in draws. Draw City. Uh, and, I mean, on Tuesday, your boys – Came came in and uh, Juventus came in with an early lead, courtesy of your new guy Dusan Vlahovic, who yeah, you mean debut it's, Champions League goal, fam. And what a goal it was! What a goal early too. He he didn't waste no time, no time whatsoever. But Danny Parejo equalized, and 
that forced a one-one result going back to Turin in a couple of weeks. I, I gotta say the the removal of the away goal. I thought I would be. I thought it would impact me negatively. I'm not so mad about it. I think that it has made things a bit more competitive and a bit more interesting. Maybe less interesting, I guess, um, because the away goal rule did make things pretty crazy. But when it was, uh, you know, in effect, but I'm liking the, you know, the straightforwardness of it. And a lot of these ties are far from done. Um, Juventus via Real specifically, but yeah, like you mentioned, only win of the week, Chelsea. Juventus would go ahead and draw. Wednesday, we'd see exactly more of that uh, as Atletico Madrid and Manchester United. I think we might have predicted this either on the pod or off the pod. They went into that match uh, not in the best of form to both of them. We know how Simeone gets down. I thought that maybe the Simeone-Ronaldo beef would escalate and make it something entertaining and interesting. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that. However, goals on either side of the 90 minutes, we've got... Uh, at the very beginning, Joao Felix with an early goal to give uh, Atleti the lead. And then late on, Olenga with the goal for Manchester United in the 80th minute to save them uh, and finish the match as a draw. This is this tie is far from over. But do I want to see a second leg? I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I'm so, keeping it. I don't. The... <sighs> These two teams, ah, oh, they don't give me nothing to get up out of bed for and watch, man. Factors, and I think uh, I can speak having seen a good amount of Atleti games and even more amounts of Manchester United games this season. Many of their fixtures on the domestic level have been much, have been very similar as of late, just like that. Uh, you know, long games with uh, you know not many goals between them, and usually finishing in a draw. Um, and so we got more of that. And hopefully, we don't see more of that uh, in the coming weeks uh, between these two sides. Am I hopeful? I don't know. Benfica and Ajax. The one tie that you were excited about, and this one kind of delivered. It did deliver. Dusan Tadic scored early before Sebastian Ayer scored for Benfica before redeeming himself in like five minutes, scored to make it 2 1. And then Roman Yaramchuk. Score to equalize 2-2. He had a Ukrainian national emblem under his kit, and he showed it off after he scored. He had to have scored. Um, again, adding on to the whole sentimental theme of the week following the invasion of Ukraine. But 2-2 finished, and like you said, this tie, there's so much to play for in Amsterdam. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's when I, you hit it on the head. We can't wait to, to see that. These are two sides that aren't afraid to go go at each other and uh, are scoring the goals. And Sebastian Ayers, hey man, just put another one on your, you know, at the right side this time. You could have, you could have won this match. <laughs> he put, he, you know, he put, he did make it right as you said. But the following week, obviously, we'll we will see more Champions League round of sixteen. The second legs will kick off. We've got Bayern and RB Salzburg, uh, as well as Liverpool Inter on a Tuesday of next week. Um, much to play for. In the Bayern tie, Inter Milan backs against the wall at Anfield. You might be able to call that one over. Uh, one that is certainly over goes on next Wednesday with Man City and Sporting. I don't see Remontada there. And with Real Madrid and PSG. With PSG up 1-0 going into the Estadio Bernabeu. That will do it for Champions League, which has been diet Champions League. That's what it's, that's what it's been feeling like. 
Europa League. Yes. Which has it's been true. the big boys competition this month. It's taking the name and putting respect on it. The, the Champions League, it looks, is now Diet RC Cola and the Europa League is becoming Pepsi, y'all. It's crazy. Uh, the Conference League is still RC Cola. <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> no, the the you're the the um Champions League has been new Coke this week. There we go. Are you gonna say the uh the Champions League went from McDonald's Sprite and the Europa League went ahead and took that. Europa League is now McDonald's Sprite. Sprite with a <laughs> show. Uh, it hurts to drink. Dead ass. And that's I mean it was exciting on Thursday. Games on games, goals on goals. The second legs of these matches came and went. We loved to see it. And I mean, we'll start with, for me, the most entertaining match. There were a couple, but uh, Lazio Porto continues to be entertaining. I think for me, the second week in a row. Last week, it was a 2-1 finish in favor of Porto. This week finished 2-2. Goals galore, seven goals in total in this match. Porto will move on uh, after goals from Mehdi Terami and Mateus Uribe. Lazio's big dog, Chiro Mobile, will get back on the score sheet for them, as would Danilo Cataldi late on, but it would not be enough, of course. They were a goal short, a very entertaining tie. And Lazio are headed home. My pick was incorrect. Oh, hold on. I just remember, we also must put some big respect on our guy Ronnie uh, in his Europa League picks. Seven and one. That's crazy. Yeah, man. My only fuck-up was Real Sociedad. They lost 5-3 on aggregate to RB Leipzig. They lost the first leg. No, they drew the first leg 2-2 and the second leg. They lost at home 3-1. Yeah, the um the Basque teams fucked me up. But um yeah, other than that, everyone else I said would go on, did go on, including Sevilla, who lost the second leg, but still won on aggregate 3-2. Dortmund, they 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 made it fight in the second leg at the Ibrooks. <laughs> but once you play like dog shit, you kind of are dog shit. Rangers 6-4 go, aggregate winners. They edged Dortmund. They are through to the round of 16. Uh, absolutely. They did exactly what I thought they would. They could score, but could they defend? That was the main thing. And no, they could not. You concede four goals in the first leg. Chances are you're in for you know some trouble, and they absolutely were. I feel like Atalanta went to Greece with a chip on their shoulder. Atalanta was on that board. They're saying, yo, I should be in the Champions League, fam. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how they're feeling. A, a team that we know can put goals on and and, and, and does exactly that. Ruslan Malinovsky, he had some anti-war sentiment in that match as well. But he also had goals to give too, dropping a brace in the second half in just under 10 minutes. In under three minutes, I'm sorry. <laughs> That plus a goal from Yokimala in the 40th would see Atalanta absolutely cruised by Olympiacos. 5-1 on aggregate. And I've got one more. For me, Barcelona and Napoli. Napoli, who I thought would absolutely – I thought they had a chance to move forward in this tie. It was the heavyweight tie of the uh, of the, uh, the round of 16 in the Europa League, in my opinion. And in the first leg, uh, it was a, a, a fight, a true dog fight. And in the second leg, it felt like Barcelona of old. They were wiping the floor with Napoli, which I honestly did not see coming. But Xavi has got them going with the new signings and a style of play that seems attractive. Gerard Piquet seems to be getting goals left, right, and center in Europe. 
Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, much to Arsenal's dismay, is putting in that work, scoring goals left, right, and center. And Napoli just couldn't handle it. I mean, it was 16 shots to seven. Barca with almost 60% possession, over 150 more passes. They were just all over them, and the scoreline reflected that. 4-2 was the final in the second leg alone. Uh, aggregate 5-3. Napoli's out of here, man. Napoli's out of here. Um, Barcelona, since January, have been on fire. Absolutely on fire. Everything for them is clicking. Xavi, the, the process that he's got them in, uh, the Ten Commandments, whatever you've got, seems to be all working out. Barcelona are in form, and Napoli caught them at their at the worst, and especially at a time where Napoli themselves have not been in the best of form domestically. Uh, and we just you saw that in that second leg. Barca were the, be the better team far and away, I believe. Uh, there were moments where I think Barcelona – Started the match 2-0 up. Lorenzo Senior would make it 2-1. Barca would go then go up 4-1 before Napoli would get a con consolation goal. So Barca was on their ass, for lack of better words. And at, you're absolutely right, Ronnie. They're in form, and I mean they could be favorites for this for this uh for this title. However, there is a team named Sevilla that refuses to quit. Yeah, if Sevilla make the final, they are winning it hands down. No matter what, they've never lost a final. By the way, yeah, they have yeah. West Ham in the round of sixteen, as the draw was made on Friday. That is the tie that really stands out, that jumps off the page. That, as well as Atalanta, Bayer Leverkusen. Ooh, Atalanta, Bayer Leverkusen was good. I think Porto versus Lyon also seems to be a very appetizing fixture. Man, the Europa League, very, 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 very interesting, and we love to see it. Thursdays are no longer boring. <laughs> I was going to say Barcelona and Galatasaray would be interesting, but Galatasaray are in 12th in the Turkish League, so Barcelona should take care of them motherfuckers real quick. Yeesh. I, I quickly looked at the Turkish table. Besiktas, Fenerbahce, Galatasaray are all trash. Damn. Trabs and Spores in first, Konya Spores in second, and Basakshi here is in third. Oh, yeah, this Turkish League looks disgusting this year. Yeah, Travis Boyd's up by goddamn almost twenty points. <laughs> yeah. Um uh Rangers takes on Red Star. Braga plays Monaco. Oh, look at that. Two Portuguese and French matchups. Betis plays Frankfurt and Leipzig plays Spartak Moscow. First leg is in Leipzig, second leg is I don't know where. But certainly not Moscow. Yeah, very interesting to see what will happen with that there. We've got, you know, Russian teams in the competition, as you mentioned, in Moscow, with Zenit falling to Batiste. Yeah, eyes on that one just for the sake of what will happen. Um, but that was the Europa League. I mean, ha again, hats off. Air horns for the Europa League being entertaining. Love Absolutely, man. And then, of course, Europe is not finished without mentioning Weenie Hut Jr., uh, you coke, RC Cola. Um, I want to save RC Cola for that time. Say less, and that's exactly what we'll do. Because you know, I don't. What did what did Slav and Billich say? To be fair, I don't care. To be fair, I don't care. I want to go to England, and before we talk about that amazing Carabao Cup final, 
news crossed the wire yesterday that Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds United would be parting ways via mutual consent, i.e. he got sacked and had to deal with it. Um, This sacking was met with mixed emotions, more than I think any other sacking has, at least recently. Yeah, for me, the absolute, the first thing that I thought about um, when kind of gauging the temperature of this sacking or the you know news of this felt like uh, Chris Wilder at Sheffield, very similar sort of situations between Bielsa and Chris Wilder. The main difference being that obviously Chris Wilder was was a Sheffield boy through and through, uh, but you could argue Bielsa with his infectiousness and what he's done with the club has become a Leeds legend in himself. And there's no questioning that status either. Absolutely, and so. I can see how you know when this when this time came and I felt like it was looming, and ultimately a change was going to be made and this seemed like the most likely decision. Getting Bielsa out of here leads. I mean, to put it plainly, have been absolutely dog shit. The running joke that we have in the group chat is they really either score a lot or concede a lot. And, and rarely, recently, the ass whoopings have just been getting heavier and heavier. I was gonna say, rarely is it that they score a lot. I mean, if you just go. Down the list of you know their latest couple of Premier League matches, save for uh, a draw against Aston Villa early in February, and then a win against West Ham in January, uh, it's been a it's been a very pitiful last couple of months for for Leeds. We saw Man City give them seven. Uh, we saw Liverpool give them six. Everton, who've been struggling, gave them three. Man United gave them four. Spurs have given them four. Uh, Arsenal have given them four. Uh, so um, absolutely, you know, struggling. That chaos that Bielsa, you know, Bielsa inputted into the team, while it was something that worked very well in the first season, a team that would fight to the death. And and to be fair, last season they conceded goals as well. Their very first match back in the Premier League against Liverpool, I believe, finished 4-3 or it might, it might have been Man City. Finished 4-3. No, it was Liverpool. Wait, yeah, it was Liverpool. Match finished four three seven goals in their first match back in the Premier League, um, and so this is this is a this has been a running theme for them since they came back. Uh, but however, it, it seems that this season, as it does with most teams that are fresh out of relegation and into the Premier League, they get sort of figured out a bit better. We've got some tape on you. We know how to watch you, and that coupled with the fact that injuries and COVID have harshly affected Leeds. And it's really been a recipe for disaster, but uh, they've not been handling this spell well at all. And I think it was all but time for Marcelo Bielsa. Whether or not it was the right call, I think it was. It's time to move forward from Bielsa. He'll be a legend in Leeds no matter what. And he'll would it have been fair to at least keep him till the end of the season, at the very least? Absolutely, I can understand why that wouldn't would be fair, but. I'm going to side with Leeds making the sacking. Uh, something has got to shake up before the end of the season. There are 14, 14 odd games left, and they've got to get it together before the end of the season, or else they'll be going back down. And last time they went down, they stayed down for 20, 20-ish years. So I'm sure that is the last thing Leeds needs and wants, is to get relegated. So they needed to make a quick change ASAP. And uh, for that reason, that's why I'm siding with Leeds. Making I understand it. I understand it. The sentimental point would have been keep them to the end of the season so that you at least have someone to ride out with. Hopefully, you guys 
turn it around and stay up. But I do understand the sacking. I'm sure it's an emotional period for Leeds fans because of all he's brought to the club. But like you said, if we're looking at it from on the field, they have been pissed. Oh, man. They're, they're now in a relegation scrap. Yeah, exactly. And, and that it kind of in the pit in the, you know, in less than a month and a half, uh, the, you know, the, the, the second third of the season, they really, really just kind of crumbled under the, the pressure. And, 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 you know, we all know when it comes to the business end of the season, 13 matches left early springtime, everybody is fighting for something. And with leads in that form, uh, they look like they were just going to get eaten by sharks, which, you know, which has been happening. And so, um, as we said, the change was made. It is absolutely emotional. Uh, Bielsa will be fine, and I think he'll end up somewhere else. The question is, will the risk pay off for Leeds? You mentioned that they are in a relegation scrap at this point, and it is exactly that. Um, they are sitting now in 16th place on 23 points. The rumor is that Jesse Marsh will take over for Leeds. I think Fabrizio Romano, who first got the news from Spence, said that they might have agreed to a deal in principle. <laughs> he absolutely got the news from Spence, though. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> the rumor was either <laughs> facts. The rumor was either Jesse March, who just had not the best of times at RB Leipzig. Oh, it was it was tragic. <laughs> or Big Sam Allardyce. Now he's Big Sam, who doesn't keep a club up because West Brom weren't able to stay up. Yeah, the uh, legendary streak is over. Whether or not the magic is still there, we don't know. Would it be a wise decision for Leeds to pick Big Sam and hope that he does what he has traditionally done for the most part in the Premier League? I don't know. Jesse Marsh looks like a decent idea. Yes, his time at Leipzig was short-lived and very bad. He slightly outlasted Nuno Espirito Santo and uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He might have got sacked just before Solskjaer, actually. Um, yeah. The fact remains that maybe the lights were just too bright at Leipzig. Maybe he made too big of a, a, a step up from Salzburg, which was a Champions League regular team. But, again, Leipzig were fighting for the Bundesliga title and have been for the, the last couple of years. Maybe it was just too much for the American. Will Leeds be a good project for him? I absolutely believe so. I think if he gets some time to sit in there and figure things out, maybe in the short term, relegation might happen. But if he can turn them around and save them from relegation, that'll be that'll bring him right not right back up to where he was at Salzburg. But I think it'll give him a huge boost of confidence, and then in exchange, a chance to kind of build something at Leeds in the Premier League. I that is the hope. Even if he, even if they, like you say, even if they do go down, that's a project you can work with. I would personally love to see it, not only for my well noted bias for um, Jesse Marsh, but yeah, the lights might have been too big for him at Leipzig. They have talented players. He, there was just a disconnect because yeah. he was a part of the breeding process for Erling Holland, lest we forget. Yeah, they exactly, and, and a couple of other players, really good gems that came out of the Salzburg system, or should I say the RB system, but under Jesse Marsh's, uh, you know, watch. So, he, you know, he's got something going for him. Uh, it looks like Ted Lasso season three is actually going to happen in real life, or season this two, guy. or whatever you want to call it. 
uh, as the American lens in England, if it does, if it does in fact happen. But I think it, if Leeds do that, they made the right call because with Big Sam, now that the streak is broken, if he goes down with you guys, you're not going to necessarily care if he brings you back up or, or, or wait to see him to bring you back up. He is a six-month on-the-job type of guy. You know what you're going to get, or you used to know. And now that you don't know anymore, why not give it to someone who maybe you can build a project around? Now you're just somebody that I used to know. <laughs> All right. Premier League. Um, Yeah, I think that takes a backseat this week. L- um, Manchester City did win. Um, oh, you said Burnley. Boot Veghorst is single-handedly trying to keep that team in the Premier League. Man, he's on fire, and they're on fire. They're somehow changing the weather because when you play at Turf Moor, it's going to rain, it's going to hail, and you're going to get punched in the face no matter what. And Burnley are playing Burnley ball. I won't speak too much on them. Obviously, they beat my Spurs during the midweek, one of the one of Spurs' game in hands. 1-0 victory, typical Burnley win in the rain. But just to keep it short and sweet, this is textbook how you build momentum going into the business end of the season. Nobody wants to play Burnley. They spanked Brighton 3-0. They barely lost to Liverpool 1-0. They beat Spurs. They draw uh, Man United and Arsenal. They're getting through their tough matches, and they're handing it to the teams that are close to them. Textbook. Ludweghorst on fire. Can't believe he – I can't believe they got him. It's unbelievable. I can't. I can't either. But like I said, when we – when we first spoke about his move to Burnley, they used the Chris Wood money well. They absolutely did. And Sean Dyche, credit to him, credit to the front office. They're taking care of business. And you don't want to play Burnley. You just don't at this point. They got smoke. And they got games in hand, fam. <laughs> don't get it twisted. You know, they got games in hand, ready to go. And they're, are, they're pulling the trigger on those. And they're taking their, I mean, two wins in the last three. Cats off to them. Teams need to pay attention to what they're doing. They look like they're about to leapfrog either Leeds, Everton, or Brentford. And my final point before we get to the, the Carabao Cup final, speaking of Brentford, a team who has been having a terrible uh, 2022, had a bit of good news despite their loss to Newcastle, another team in form. Um, it was the return and the reemergence of Christian Eriksen in the Premier League and in football period. We saw it over the weekend as he returned to action off the bench for Brentford in that loss to Newcastle. The standing ovation that he got is why you love the sport. Air horns for Christian Eriksen's return to football match. And should he be able to return to full health? And he feels that he's ready to play and is healthy enough to play. Brentford just got them a steal. Um, the hope is he helps them stay up. But just the fact that he's playing, period, is the highlight. Love to see it. Love to see it. Absolutely. Um, we had quite the care about Cup final at Wembley between two Giants, Liverpool and Chelsea. Uh, a match Never that. Never. Woo! I mean, before we start, just straight up air horns for the match. <laughs> Off the rip, uh, the score will give it to you. It was nil-nil all the way into penalties, but that did not take away from the fact that that was probably one of the best nil-nil, nil-nil game of, this, of the decade, maybe. <laughs> of the, definitely of the last year and a half, for sure. 
Um, I, I agree. They like you rarely get a a good nil nil match. This was a great nil nil. Oh yeah, this I mean this was better than some matches where there were actual goals. Uh, chances on chances, offside calls, VAR, great saves. You know, it was back and forth and forth and back. Chelsea, I would say, were the dominant team uh, over the 120 minutes. Liverpool had periods where I absolutely think so. I think aside from a, periods where Liverpool were unplayable, uh, I think for the most part it was Chelsea with chances on chances and seemed to be controlling the match for the most part, in my opinion. Um, but as we mentioned, very sound defensively from both teams and very deadly in attack as well. None of that would result in a goal, but would we would see a bunch of offsides and VARs and callbacks as Liverpool, I believe, drew blood first ball back in the net, courtesy of a goal from was it from Joe Matip. There we go, Joe Matip was one of those big-headed guys. As Joe Matip got a goal, and we thought, I mean, the place was rocking. Liverpool got took the lead, and Jurgen Klopp was on, on the way to get his first domestic trophy in the Premier League. But it was called back. It was called back, y'all. Oh, should I say the first domestic cup? He's obviously won the Premier League. Um, from that point, Chelsea would not only hit the woodwork, it would score courtesy of Lukaku, uh, and it would not count. Um, that one was a toss-up. That, that happened in extra time. The Matip header was also in the second half. The first half saw Christian Pulisic, to take a phrase from your book, burger his chance. Burgered. And then quite the opposite, also in the first half, <laughs> Edward Mendy uh, showing why he's, you know, got a trophy cabinet like that already and why he's one of the best goalkeepers, stopping his countryman, Sadio Mane, with a chance that I think nine times out of ten is going in. And Yeah, but two- even that chance, it was initially Nabi Keita who struck it and um, Mendy saved it before Mane went for the rebound. And he, he was the first guy to react. He thought that was going in the back of the net. And Mendy with an incredible reaction save. Uh, Liverpool's goalkeeper, the backup, Keller, Curler, I forget how his name is, but the uh, um, absolutely playing like a seasoned vet, making good stops as well, uh, as we saw, doing enough to keep Chelsea at bay, uh, aside from the offside whistle, which Liverpool do very well as they draw teams offsides. Um, and ultimately, the match will go to penalties. And we I mean, if- have to talk about the chances that Mason Mount shot. They're off the rip. That one that hit, kissed the front of the post. Ooh. To start the second half, boy. I thought it was he was all in. It was a beautiful ball from the American from Hershey, Pennsylvania, Kristen Pulisic, and he was on one on one with the backup goalkeeper. I'm thinking this looks like. Chelsea are going up, and it would be a deserved one now. But it kissed the front of the post. He felt a little bit of pressure from Liverpool center backs as they were closing in. And that ball kissed the wrong side of the post, if you will, as it bounced back out into play. It was one of those days where I think at that point it was – because he had some chances in the first half as well. It was it, it was a, it was a, one of those feelings where you were like, he's just not going to get the goal he wants. It's not going to happen. Whether or not it would come to bite them back in the ass was up for debate. There was also an opportunity where Edward Mendy had a shit clearance. 
found its way to Mo Salah, who in front of an empty net doesn't kick it with enough potence, with enough power. It looked like a sure goal, but Thiago Silva was there to get it out the goal, get out the paint, and yeah, scoreless two penalties. And if we just talked about the score of the penalty shootout, you think you got bumped in the head and woke up in last year's Europa League final because that's exactly what happened when, well, we should mention also that Tuchel doing a bit of maybe too much thinking, subbing off Edouard Mendy for Kepa, who has now been dubbed the penalty uh, the penalty shootout champion. He saves penalties left, right, and center, apparently. Uh, however, in this penalty shootout, there would be no saving at all <laughs> as player after player would make. I mean, it was nerve-wracking, don't get me wrong, but after the first five, and everybody made them. Sudden death came along, and then everybody continued to make them. We got to a point where we're at 10-10, and you know what that means. The goalkeepers take their, their shots. And Liverpool's Keller, 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 Keller? Liverpool's backup goalkeeper. Keller, Keller thank you, Spencer. <laughs> you saw me struggling for 30 minutes here. Uh, as Keller takes a penalty, <laughs> a seasoned, seasoned veterans penalty, Slots it into the left sides. No way in hell Kepa was going to save it, even if he went the right way, which he didn't. And it was Kepa Azidabalaga's turn. Azidabalaga. There you go. Balenciaga. Some... <laughs> I love that we're going to do this every time. <laughs> we are. <laughs> and he was the man of the moment. His, his penalty after everybody in the team made a penalty. All I had to do was slide in the back of the net. But in the back of my head, I just felt, okay, this is too much like the Europa League final. There's no way he makes this penalty. And sure enough, Ronnie, what does he do with it? He sent that shit back to Spain. Out of here. As I Liverpool, think it's still somewhere out there in the universe. I'm not too sure. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> um, as Liverpool would win the first domestic cup of the season, a huge momentum boost for them, you have to think. They're closing the lead on Man City uh, to three points now, it seems. Um, and they've got the first cup. A lot of times that that team which wins the League Cup and they're in contention to win the Prem, I mean, it's just a, a huge motivation boost, a huge boost for teams. And this could be, you know, the buildup that Liverpool needs uh, to continue that momentum and maybe catch Man City and make this Premier League race that much more interesting. Jurgen Klopp gets his first uh, domestic cup. I mean, just overall kudos to Liverpool. The match could have went either way. And when you get to penalties and everybody's making them, it's anybody's game. And it happened to be Liverpool's and not Tuchel's. I don't necessarily think that putting Kepa in was, I mean, yeah, it's a risk. But, like, Kepa was your League Cup starter the whole season. Much like how I saw some pundits say that, Starting Kelleher was a risk when you should have gone big on all facets. You should have played Allison. Right. I, mean, I win or lose, I would have kept Kelleher because he's the designated EFL Cup starter. But looking back at it now, I don't think Chelsea should keep their heads down because this game was hard to call both of these teams, even though I beg to differ with you. I think Liverpool were better, but 
both of these teams were really, really good. Both goalkeepers, Mendy and Kelleher, had really, really big saves. Some chances could not be converted. But, yeah, it was hard to tell. It was like a political race where too too early to call, is what is that what they say? Too, uh, close. too, too close to call. That was his game. Absolutely agree. I think just on the on the goalkeeper point, Mindy uh, started the ninety minutes and he played through extra time. I think at that point, I, I don't see. I know I understand Kepa has built some sort of reputation, maybe, and he was the designated EFL guy. But if you started Mendy and he's not too shabby at penalty kick shootouts himself, he won one just at the beginning of this month at Afcon, saving two two penalties. You know, in the process, I don't think you're giving up much when you when you put in Kepa and you, you know, move Mendy off, could have kept him on. I think it, it would it have made a difference. I guess we'll never know. But um, at the end of the day, as you said, this game was too close to call. And ultimately, it was absolutely enjoyable. And when you get those from a nil-nil draw, you got to take them and just appreciate them. Action elsewhere, of course. Barcelona in the form of their lives in La Liga as they saw what Athletic Club did to Real Sociedad last week and said, We'll, we'll give you the same treatment. We're fair. And gave him a 4-0 ass-whooping. Adama Traore seems to be running circles around La Liga right now. He just looks more fit and faster than everybody on the pitch. Uh, and his dribbling is on is pretty crazy. And so it's very entertaining to watch. He's electric down that right-hand side. Danny Alves is also on fire, which is crazy to see. Uh, and then Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as well. Very interesting position for Barcelona to be in as their new signings are clicking at the right time. He didn't get on the score sheet, but Pedri had himself a game too. Absolutely. Chavi's, uh, we saw Chavi mentioning how important he is. No, Pedri was dominant in the Barcelona midfield today. Like, like we said when we were talking about the Europa League, Barcelona have been doing the damn thing. They're playing some attractive football, and since I want to say since the start of the new year, they have been a very entertaining team to watch. Like, I look forward to watching Barcelona now. They're sitting in fourth in La Liga. They're probably going to teeter-totter with Atletico de Madrid at this point. And they have a game in hand. Yeah, kudos to them and kudos to Chavi, as we mentioned before, uh, in hot form. And everybody's playing well, uh, including the old man, Danny Alves, and Gerard Pique. Interesting stuff. From the old man, let's talk about the old lady who's making a comeback in Italy. Transition game on point, forever on point. <laughs> Juventus beat Empoli today. Susan Vlahovic brace. Moise Ken scored. My bad, the game was yesterday, Saturday. Also in Serie A, Napoli. They are now top of the table. They beat Lazio today, Sunday, 2-1. I think it was a must-win for them to, you know, climb a top of the table. Inter, they couldn't get anything done against Genoa. And Milan drew Udinese 1-1, allowing Napoli to finally take advantage of no longer being in Europe and just putting all their eggs into the Serie A basket. They're level on points with AC Milan. But for now, they're sitting top of the table. Inter have 55 points. Juve have 50. 
Juventus are making a little bit of a climb upward now. I feel like this is the top four now. I think we can commit to this four as the Italian top four. Even though Atalanta are not that far behind, I still think Napoli will win it. But I'm not mad if Juventus does. Are you saying that uh, Juventus still has a shot to win this uh, Scudetto? What is it that Spencer says in the group chat? Darn Skippy, you're right. <laughs> I like the energy. Yeah, I, Napoli, I mean, uh, biggest thing, leaving it as late as possible. Um, as La They went ahead early and Lazio uh, equalized. And then super late on, I think, 92nd minute, they get that winner. And finally, after burgering the last couple of chances to take top of the table, they sure they sure took this one. And so it was about damn time. And uh, now their only mission is to not let Diego Maradona down. And you know, go for this win because they've been they continue to let them down in Europe, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, speaking of stoppage time winners, Roma doing the same thing uh, against Spezia. The match would finish one nil. Uh, not too much that it does for them in the table with regards to top four. Uh, you can assume that they're not getting the Tammy Abraham would be the late scorer in the ninety plus nine. Uh, Roma now sits sixth. They're actually tied on points with Atalanta. Six off of uh, Juventus. Um, and then if, as far as Serie A goes, you know, I got to put it in at least once a, a week. Salernitana, four losses, uh, four draws from five. You're going down, guys. It's okay, though. They drew to Bologna. There you go. <laughs> four draws from five. They're, they're fifth. <laughs> and they play Inter on Friday. Okay. Well, big up to them. And best of luck, Salernitana. Uh, that was Serie A. One thing I'll tell Anitana, though, um, sucks that Frank Ribery can't get them, you know, out of relegation territory. Yeah, he'll be all right. Yeah. Bucktooth menace. There you go. Wow. I, I think if you heard you say that, call him that, he would say that's some bullshit. And I would tell him that I agree. <laughs> Is that time, Ovi? Hey, and you gotta be talking about BS of the week time because Bucktooth Menace. <laughs> Let's get to it. All righty. Um, I can go I'll first. Go first. Yeah, so my BS of the week, quick and easy, uh, lighthearted, sad if you're a fan of this club. Uh, it was featured in the Europa League, which was the competition to watch this week, clearly. Uh, FC Sheriff, who had their darling run in the Champions League group stage, the first, at least the first half of it anyways, uh, they obviously ended up in the Europa League knockouts against uh, Sporting Braga. In the first leg, they would go up 2-0 last week. This past Thursday, they would concede two, which would tie them on aggregate 2-2 with Braga. Neither team would score a goal apart from those 2-2 uh, and they would end up in the penalty shootout. Now, this is where the BS comes in. Uh, FC Sheriff trying to keep hopes alive in their darling run in Europe alive. They would miss their first two penalties. Not a not a good start to that. Not a not a good way to keep your hopes alive. With their third penalty, as of course Braga scored their first two, it looked all but over. Sheriff's third penalty. The player who we won't even say his name stepped up with confidence. And I'm like, oh, he might make this. What he did instead was try to chip it, maybe a little panenka down the middle. But instead of going in the back of the net, he sent that shit to the park down the street from the stadium. 
I, I've never seen a Paneka hit that hard in my life. I don't know what he was trying. I respect his uh, the balls on that guy for being down 2 nothing in a penalty shootout and saying, you know what will work here? A Panenka. Not at all. He missed. PS of the week. Fam, read the room, bro. <laughs> Sheriff would ultimately lose that penalty shootout and they are out of Europe. What a way to go. Yeah, you have to be a different kind of pendejo to try a Panenka down 2 nothing in the penalty shootout. Crazy. I couldn't believe what I saw. It was hilarious. Uh, he took that with confidence and he sent it to hell with confidence. <laughs> so, BS of the week, that guy. How do you sky a Panenka? I'm saying it's like, what were you trying to do? It's like he thought Panenka and his foot thought top bins, right corner. <laughs> and he combined that and he sent it <laughs> elsewhere. Sent it back to Transnistria is what you're saying? There you go, exactly. So they're out of Europe in sad fashion. The penalty shootout got a little more, little more interesting after that. I know you're wondering how that's possible. But neither in or there, Sheriff would crash out after a promising start to their first leg. Second leg was all bad. And it got even, even worse. That was my BS week, Ronnie. What you got? I'm sticking in Europe for this one. But I am going to the RC Cola of competitions. And that is the Europa Conference League. Ugh. Oh, and when I tell you what who what two teams are getting BS of the week, ugh. Celtic Football Club, Rapid Vienna. Those two sides got knocked out of the conference league. Rapid Vienna lost 3-2 on aggregate to Vitesse. And Celtic got absolutely murdered 5-1 on aggregate. By Bodo Glimp. Bodo Glimp. Jeez. Quick air horns to Bodo Glimp. <laughs> and it's strictly for the name purposes only. I absolutely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, BS of the Week goes to those two losers because they are the first teams to ever. Pull off the loser's trouble. Huh? Thank you. Explain what the loser's trouble is. Sounds painful. I got. I got to be honest. <laughs> Sounds kind of Spursy too. I'm sad about that. I if I don't think Spurs could ever pull this off. <laughs> Rapid Vienna and Celtic both began their European seasons in the Champions League. Damn. Celtic lost to Midtjylland in the second qualifying round of the Champions League, sending them to the Europa League. Meanwhile, Rapid, they were in the second round qualifiers as well. They lost to Sparta Prague, and they went down to the Europa League qualifying round. Rapid did end up in the group stage, and so did Celtic. Celtic and Vienna finished third place in their groups. Celtic finished behind Real Betis and Bayer Leverkusen. Rapid finished behind Dinamo Zagreb and West Ham. Because they're in third place, they get sent down to the Conference League. And I already told you the results in the Conference League. 
That is that sucks. God damn. <laughs> and the crazy thing in particular for Rapid Vienna, they won the first leg 2-1. They lost the second leg 2-0, 3-2 aggregate loss. You know, that really is the loser's treble. That is incredible. And like I mentioned, Celtic lost 3-1 to Bodo Glimt in Glasgow, and they lost 2-0 in Norway for a grand total of 5-1 aggregate. So Celtic and Rapid have the distinction of being the first losing the trouble side, the loser's trouble, if you will. Um, you begin your seasons in the Champions League and you end up all the way in the Conference League getting knocked out in the same round. BS of the week to y'all. Damn. They go from McDonald's Sprite to whatever they be making at Walmart. What is it called? Great value? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they went from McDonald's Sprite to La Croix. (laughs) That is incredible. An incredible achievement. That sucks. Wow. Yep. And before something like that happens again to any sort of team, Ronnie, do you want to go ahead and sign the boys off? Because my goodness, losers, terrible. Yeesh. I'm sure it will happen again, but only two teams could be the first. This is true. They're in the history books. Yep. And if we're looking for the exact first, Celtic played their game before Rapid Vienna. So there you go. Ouch. <laughs> So, thank you all for listening to episode 83 of the Football Misfits podcast. We thank you all for listening and for interacting with us on social medias at Instantgram. Episode 84 is right around the corner. For the good brother LV and Data Despence, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Stay strong, be brave. Adios, everybody. Ooh-wee. Losers triple. Good.